Welcome to Sticks and Taps, where the conversation is hockey and the keg is always cold. The games will be on soon, so let's step up to the bar, grab a pint, get into it. Your host, Paul Cuthbert and Liam Maguire. Slanta, fellas, and don't forget to pay your tabs. Ah, oh, thank you so much, Seamus, for that introduction, as always. And don't forget, I always pay me tabs. Cover Liam all the time. Jesus, cost me a fortune he is. No Somebody joke. asked you. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Sticks and Taps, ladies and gentlemen. Tuesday, February 25th, post-NHL trade deadline, post-David Ayers stopping the Toronto Maple Leafs. All good stuff leading up to me and Liam's favorite holiday here in a couple of weeks, and that's St. Patrick's Day. But anyway... Yes, Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert here, and my good friend all the way up there in the Great White North, Mr. Liam McGuire. How are you, sir? Hey, Paulie. Good to uh, good to be back on with you, pal. How how was your uh, how was your week off? Uh, it was good. It was uh, it was a little bit of everything. Uh, some friends of ours here um, have a uh, winter house up in Wyndham Mountain, and we went up to the the hills of uh, New York. I wouldn't call them mountains. I I lived in Colorado. And those are those are mountains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, great week for the kids. It's the winter break down here on Long Island, in New York area, and we uh, shot up there. And the kids did some. Uh, even I did some snow tubing. Uh, I can't get back on the slopes. I've got the bum knee. Uh, but my uh, my little girl, she's ten. We got her on the her first time on skis, a little bunny trail, and she did fantastic. And uh, nice. Yeah, man. Some uh, campfire stuff. You know, lit the lit the you know the the leaves there and hung around and. Just really kind of uh, relaxed and enjoyed ourselves. Really nice up there, nice little town, uh, good stuff. So it's the first time I've really hung out in Wyndham, New York. But, uh, yeah, some ski slopes up there, and you could do some uh, snowmobiling and, and everything else. So uh, a, a good a good week, about three hours away from me here, uh, Liam, in um, uh, Long Island here. We're in western Nassau County, which is about 40 minutes outside of New York City. And, uh, like I said, that's about a three-hour ride uh, up on the Taconic Parkway. Straight up uh, north, uh, uh, you know. As far as as far as I'll go right now, anything past three hours, Liam, I get tired. I have to pull over. <laughs> well, three hours. I I got to drive about two a little later this afternoon. I'm speaking in Belleville, Ontario, tonight for a group. But that's uh, there'll uh, be no problem going down. But they're calling for some snow tomorrow, so I'll see if I can get out before it. But yeah, three hours, four hours. I mean, uh, you work up a Thursday. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No doubt, indeed. Uh, so, buddy, here we are, uh, NHL trade deadline, a, a, a big show here yesterday. We'll get into it a little bit. But, hey, man, I, I got to kick off because, obviously, we've touched on the Leafs uh, this year a couple of times on the show. Uh, yeah. As far as the uh, the status of that organization and the uh, the up and downs they've been having since uh, the Babcock firing and so on and so forth. But, man, um, it's all over the Internet. Uh, David Ayers, man, he's on Stephen Colbert. He's, he's on every TV Everywhere. show now. Oh yep. my God, I'm I'm a little. Again, it's only been 24 hours, I guess, since he started making the TV appearance. I'm getting a little. It's a little too much now. But anyway, fair play to him. Um, unbelievable story as always. We seem to get one of these in the NHL here and there and stuff. Whether somebody comes in or, uh, you know, just some kind of crazy story. But man, this doesn't really help the Leafs. Man, they got buried on social media. And I don't know if you saw the clip that they had with uh, John Tavares in the bed commercial, and he's on center ice, and his yeah. Zamboni drive, and that happened to be David Ayers. You can't make this stuff up, Liam, but I know. I what's know. the story in Ronto, buddy? Yeah, well, 
I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Everybody, you either, in my case, I was flipping back and forth um, watching the game, watching Ottawa, Montreal, and uh, and then flipping, you know, back and forth to watch Toronto, Carolina, and, you know, the goaltenders uh, start dropping like flies. Didn't, did not know about airs going in until I read it on Twitter. I was following on Twitter, and I said, oh, geez, I flipped back over, and uh, he was already in the net. And uh, I think I think Tavares had scored on him at that point. I'm trying to remember, but my God, he looked like a fish out of water, and everybody was freaking. And, uh, well, we all know the history, how it went from there. And he ended up making the saves in the third period. The Leafs collapse. Carolina gets the win, and from there, it's been a whirlwind tour for him, and good on him, as he just said, 42 years old. Former Zamboni driver, maintenance guy at the rink now, and uh, and it's just a story for the ages, and and it'll never be forgotten for sure. And if the Leafs go on to miss the playoffs, and that game could loom large in their rearview mirror as to one of the reasons why, when you can't light up a guy who's a emergency goaltender, third, fourth stringer, whatever that routinely comes into at practice for you that you could usually fire fifty by him, and you can't light him up. That's going to uh, <laughs> could have some serious repercussions, but you know we'll see. I mean, you and I, as you said, you touched on at the start here. We've been talking about the Leafs a couple times here at the start of the season. They haven't been doing anywhere near what I think a lot of certainly their fans, their media, maybe even a lot of ardent Leaf supporters who in the media who have uh, who have championed their cause to possibly maybe maybe be poised here to. God forbid, win a playoff series for the first time since 2004, let alone maybe march merrily down the Stanley Cup route. So they don't look like they're poised to do any of that and, and are going to be tooth and nail despite the ineptitude of Florida. And we'll get into the trade deadline. They're trading a, a trading of uh, of Trocek. But despite the ineptitude of Florida, uh, Toronto still poised right now to almost control their own fate and, and, and get in the playoffs. Well, what a story Saturday night. It's the story of the year. Happens on the day when Ovi scores his 700th goal, and and that'll be overshadowed. And it's uh, it's the story of the year. It really is. And I don't know how else you can say it. I mean, like you said, you couldn't write it any better. It's a Hollywood script. It really is. And and uh, and here we are. And it cost Toronto two points at home, and and another who knows how many layers of ridicule on top of the 1967 chance, on top of the 2004 chance, on top of blowing. A uh, 4-1 lead with 10 minutes to go in the playoffs against Boston. And top of everything else, now they've got to deal with losing to a Zamboni, a 42-year-old Zamboni driver who's actually in their system. It's incredible, man. Absolutely incredible. Did you watch any of it? Did you get wind of it at all on social media as it was happening? Or, or when did you first hear about it? Uh, pretty much the same way. On, on social media, I kind of you know saw the highlights that night when I got home and was kind of checking in and, and just shaking my head. I got to ask you a question, though. And, and for, the, uh, for the lay people out here, and even for myself, how does, because I just haven't looked into it in a long time, because it rarely happens, but how does, how does he end up in there? What, what happens with the, the team? I mean, it's so rare the two goalies go down, but is he, he's obviously on a list. I mean, how, do, how does yeah. Carolina know that that's the guy that's going to come in in the worst case scenario? And why, why isn't in the NHL, Liam, where maybe a, a player on the bench, you know, like we, like we did when we were kids or something like that, your goalie buddy goes down or you take turns, I'm going to the Nets next. But how does, how does that work, obviously, officially, as far as airs getting in that game? Well, uh, first of all, 
the the uh, that's that's why it, there's probably a book in here somewhere of goaltenders who have come in under emergency situations. If you go back in NHL history, especially prior to the two goalie days, which really began in 1965. So prior to that, when you were and, and even that first year, the two goalies, you still didn't rarely dress them. You just had to have a second guy in the building, like actually on on roster, on contract, ready to go. Uh, but prior to that, you know, in the one goalie system, you had tons of stories of guys coming into the net in emergency situations who maybe had the the the, the, the a modicum of goaltending ability and maybe experience having played a little bit whether it be NHL pro minors junior whatever and they've came in there's so many stories but now the basically the rule is is because up until 1961 that's the last time a rostered player played in net for an injured goaltender. That was Jerry Topazzini for the Boston Bruins in 1960-61. Before that, you got to go back 20 years, it was Andy Brannigan for the New York Americans. So it's pretty rare for rostered players. If you go back to the 20s and 30s, it was common, quite common, that a rostered player would take the net for an injured goaltender and finish the game. But now, the way it is, is every team, every home team has to designate what they call an e-bug, right? Emergency uh, backup goaltender, an e-bug. And okay. in the case here at Toronto, this guy, David Ayers, like he wasn't the first choice. They had other goalies. They had university goaltenders on their roster as emergency backups, but they had playoff games. Gotcha. They had playoff games. So the only guy they had going down their depth chart of emergency goaltenders was the maintenance guy, Ayers, who at least was a goaltender and is a goaltender of, you know, at least he plays net. You're not pulling a guy <laughs> off the street, walking down Young Street and throwing pads on him, you know? So it, 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 but that's what happened. And every team has to, for example, if you look last night, the Columbus Ottawa game, um, uh, Anthony Duclair ran, ran Elvis right over, knocked Elvis out of the building. And, and right away, within about, 10 minutes of the broadcast, they said the emergency backup goaltender has been summoned to the arena wow. and he is getting dressed because uh, Tapasalo there, okay, finished the game. He got the win. They won an overtime, beat Ottawa. But, you know, the Senators, I mean, the Senators started the game two less forwards. Anyway, that's a whole other story. The trade deadline and yep. getting guys there and all the rest of that stuff. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, 10 minutes in after Elvis was knocked out uh, out of the game, they announced on TV that the emergency backup had arrived and he is getting dressed. Now, I don't think they ever named him or who he was, but every home team has to have an emergency backup goaltender ready to come in. And and like, you know, Scott Foster in Chicago, who was an accountant or, or the equipment manager in Carolina five, six years ago, uh, Jorge Ayers, I believe is, or not Ayers, uh, Alves, excuse me, um, I believe his name is. He, he came in, played seven seconds of a game. Now, Bill Peters did that for fun. And it gave him the distinction of the shortest career in NHL history. He's played seven <laughs> seconds of a game. There's all sorts of anomalies and anecdotes and things of that nature. But that's how Ayers got in. And then at the end of the day, uh, he did make a couple of big saves. But what it really highlighted, Paulie, when you just, you know, you cut through all the fun and frivolity of it, is that uh, this is a Leaf team that has not been really, really consistent to any degree all year. They've got as much firepower as anybody, as much natural God-given talent, which they've heavily paid for, as anybody in the league up front. But their commitment to play, to absolutely 
play to the level that they need to to be successful and win and guarantee a playoff spot and possibly do do anything in the playoffs has has not been there with any any level of consistency. And this is why they find themselves on the bubble right now. And if anything, Saturday night, as much as this is a story for the ages, it's really highlighted the fact that they are uh, they are a sorry ass bunch here right now. It's been a lot of heat is on Dubas, Kyle Dubas, the um, you know the accountant looking general manager, and and it's uh, and the Shanna plan with Brendan Shanahan up on top of him, <laughs> and how this is going to work out is going to be very 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 interesting because even if they do make it, and if they got to play Tampa, and they're playing Tampa tonight, so would you not think, Paulie? How's a player? What an opportunity to erase one of the most biggest modern recent embarrassments in sports, definitely hockey, on Saturday night, losing to the Zamboni driver. And you get a chance to go into the barn of, a, of, of what more than likely will be almost assuredly your first round opponent if you do make the playoffs and make a statement tonight. Imagine if you're a player on the team. Like, yeah, just think about when you played and, and you had a shit game. And, and, and whether it was a coach all over or a teammate all over or you went home and you had to take it with you, you couldn't wait. You couldn't wait for the next game, next opportunity. I mean, your best case scenario to play the same team. But if not, just to get back out there and say, my God, I've got to be better. I've got to help my team be better. So let's see who shows up tonight. This will be really, really interesting in my view. But, uh, what an unbelievable scene on Saturday. And, uh, you know, uh, that's sports, right? Every now and then you turn around, man, and something goes down in sports is why it's the greatest reality show going. And uh, it's why we love it. And uh, we invest so much time and energy and passion and resources into it. And it was just uh, unbelievable theater on Saturday night. I'm so glad I got to see it. And, uh, hey, hey <laughs> tough luck in Toronto. You just added another chapter since 1967. Uh, it's hard to believe. You keep finding a way, and you did it again. <laughs> and I'm telling you, pal, the Icelander fans down here in Long Island were just eating it all up, buddy. All the Tavares stuff. I mean, just looking from afar from all that, uh, everything they went through here with him going up there. And, and you know, you talk about uh, Dubas and and the Shannon plan and everything else and all the money and everything else. I mean, for me, like I said, I sit here and I go, ah, you know, it's, 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 it's like a collection of pretty boys. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're, 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 you're bang on tonight. They got to step into it. I mean, it, you know, the past is the past. They're still, you know, in a playoff spot right now. They can, they can kind of, you know, they got to create their own road here. You know, they got to have this game tonight. And if you look at the Leafs schedule coming up, Florida, uh, Vancouver will be tough. I mean, San Jose, LA Kings and the Ducks. I mean, there's some points on the board here that these guys could maybe possibly rack up a run here. I think if they're all sitting in the locker room right now, uh, this is what they got to do. I mean, as, as far as, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs and their specific situation, their brand, these players, the money, the expectations, the city, the embarrassment the other night, the embarrassment of this probably this whole season right now. Um, yeah, it's uh, that's a good one now to look at tonight and see how they come out. Uh, and, and the rest of the league now... You know, especially the teams that are in the thick of it right now. The trade deadline's done. All the uh, festivities and the, the, you know, the stadium stuff and the all-star game. It's all done now. We're all buckling in right now, and we're going for it. So uh, uh, these these games coming up right now are just going to be buzzsaw types games, and they're not going to get any easier. And, and you know, uh, at, this is where I guess, Liam, um, you know, you're going to find out which teams are going to, you know, cut the path here. Who's got the, the ball, so to say, to – 
to, to stake their ground here. And, uh, you know, it's a fun thing with the, the wild card situation where you see everybody's lining it up and everything. And, you know, you talk about Columbus last night. I mean, everybody on the team is injured. And look I what Torts and this team is doing, man. They, they leapfrog. They win last night. Um, and they're, you know, they grab they're right now. They're in that last wild card spot. I mean, this is just the way it's going to be here for the next, you know, two months here, a uh, month and yeah. a half or whatever. So yeah. it's all good stuff. But hey, you know, uh, we talked about this in the past. Us down here in, in New York and, and just looking up there. And I know we've touched on and we'll, we'll let's we'll steer into the uh, the trade deadline here and some of the moves and everything. But like I said, to me, it's just it's it's so puzzling to see what's going on up there. I don't have much of a. You know, like I said, I'm an old Leafs fan. I, 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 it's sorry to see them in this kind of state, but I have no sympathy for them because of the money and because of uh, everything they have. It's the same way I feel about the Rangers here. It's a different kind of uh, make, but, you know, there's a while there as a Ranger fan, uh, you know, watching this team go through, uh, you know, the ups and downs there, even before 2014 and everything else. I really had no sympathy for the Rangers as, a, as an organization because of the money um, yeah. and, and, the, and the resources. I just – teams and organizations like that – I just don't know where the excuses are. Whether you know you're scouting and you're you're drafting, and obviously uh, you know how you're 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 signing guys here and there. But that's a whole nother episode we could get into. But hey, look, man, uh, at least don't get in. Too bad, you know what I'm saying. And and like I said, down here in in New York and, and the Islanders too, man, they're loving it. And it's that whole story with Lamarillo being down here. Um, you know the moves he's making, and obviously we'll, we'll touch on a couple of things here with the Senators and and everything else. But um, hey, like I said, um. It, it's all about the teams, right, Liam? You nailed it before, and I, I'm still kind of shocked here. I, I'm um, Tapazzini. What year was that you brought out of your ass? Sixty-six. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I threw you a little left curve. I thought I'd get you in terms of bringing up, you know, the how the uh, the, the the emergency goaltender works, and you're bringing up these <laughs> names, from ancient history, and I'm going, "You're out of your mind." I love it, brother. <laughs> I, I I met him, eh? Yeah, when I, I met him, I, I I did a tour across Canada in 1999 for Labatt's. It was called Labatt right out of the blue. And every Tuesday, we flew out to a different part of Canada. It was part of the national broadcast that night. Uh, that, that Sportsnet had the rights to, they only had the rights, they had to pick a, a day of the week to do a game, and they, they did a Tuesday national game. Anyway, long story short, my role was to go to these sports bars across Canada and keep the crowd entertained while the um, while the taping was done beforehand that was going to be shown during the intermission of the game. And we were up in Sudbury, and we went to Tapazzini's bar, and he was there, and uh, he was a crazy old bastard, man. He was absolutely nuts. And uh, well, I had a great conversation with him. It was funny as hell. Funny what's his, as hell. What's, his ba- what's the background on that name, Tapazzini? Is that, is that Italian? Is that Greek? What is that? No, I think it's Italian. I I, I think it's Italian. He, See, he had, this is uh, what I love, man. It, I mean, you can only imagine his backstory ending up in Canada, and then and then you know, you yeah, know, ended up. I mean, it's, it's a trip. It's awesome. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He 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 was a solid player too. He was a solid hockey player. Like he went to a couple Stanley Cup finals with the Bruins. There, he was a pretty solid player for them in the 1950s. He didn't That's take awesome. any shit from anybody either. Like he was. <laughs> Not a fighter per, per se, but he was good to go. He was nuts. I mean, that's why when they needed a goalie, he went in, you know, and, and uh, I mean, it was I think it was only for a few minutes towards. But but he went in. He went in. You know, nobody else was around to do it. And he did it. And 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 he's of note as the last guy to do it as a position player. But uh, I did meet him <laughs> in 1999, 21 years ago. And uh, he's since passed away. But uh, but uh, I, I remember that very well. It wasn't a lot of people in there that night. It's probably only 30 or 40 people. It was one of our smaller gigs on the tour. But uh, anyways, I sat down, had a few beers with them. We talked hockey in the 1950s, and, and it was uh, 
was quite, it was quite something. I, I, I remember it fondly, but yeah, Jerry, Jerry Topazzini. Love it. I got, uh, I'm going to look him up, man. That's just fantastic stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You look him up. He's there. Hockey DB or, or, uh, or Wikipedia or whatever. It'll give you the background on him. He, he, he's pretty solid player. Pretty solid player. Played a while in the show and, and, uh, Boston was his team and, and he was, uh, he was pretty solid, but no, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Absolutely. All right, man, let's jump into this, uh, Trade deadline yesterday, um, you know, speaking of goaltenders, uh, you know, just start with the Rangers here real quick. I mean, that was the big talk down here about, you know, either Hank maybe going somewhere or Georgiev. And, man, we got the hit there yesterday morning, the fact that Shesterkin was in a car accident with Brznevich. I know. And um, we were just going nuts last night talking about, could you imagine if they had a trade of these guys in the situation they're in right now? And that's just a small story in itself. So the Rangers don't really make any moves outside of, you know, re-signing Kreider. And uh, they send Brady uh, Shea off, which is all good. So the Rangers are feeling good about themselves. They're moving forward as far as where they're at right now. Huge game against the Islanders tonight. The Islanders obviously um, made a couple of moves here. Grab one of you guys, uh, uh, Pajo, from uh, the Sens, which I think is a great pickup. Maybe we can start there. And then, yeah. and then obviously touch. You, you, I mean, you, you called it about Montreal – and Kovalchuk, uh, you know, and, and I think you're also bang on too. And it looks like he may eventually re-sign with them, uh, you know, after the uh, in the off season. Obviously, he's going to be a rental here. But man, some, some story there too. Uh, just you bringing that up there a couple of shows ago, and, uh, and we'll get into that too. But start with the, the Senators here real quick because that's that's your hometown team there, and and some of the moves. And and, and do you like what Lamarillo did here in terms of bringing him down to the island? Yeah, I love what Lou did. Uh, you, you got one of the most uh, uh, diversified guys in the league right now. I mean, the whole phrase that originated uh, two, three years ago, playing the 200-foot game, was is, is really describes uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. I mean, this guy, he's playing about 20 minutes a night. He's having a career year. He's got three shorthanded goals and four power play goals. Excellent penalty killer. Excellent offensive uh, capabilities. And and uh, an unbelievable team guy. And he's got character. I mean, you look at the injury he suffered last season at the start of training camp. And he comes back from that to have a career year this year. And the only reason he's not in Ottawa is because, uh, as usual, they couldn't pay him. Now, did Lou overpay? Maybe he did, you know. But he's trying to build an Islander team here to take a run, not only in a real tough Metro, but in a tough Eastern Conference and possibly get, you know, the Islanders back to a Stanley Cup final. And, you know, Pajot was making 3.1 this year. So he was due for a raise anyway. And they now he's getting five. So it's just funny listening to the Ottawa fans down here saying, oh, I never would have given him that contract. He's 27 years old. Yeah. He's 27. He's in his freaking prime. Mm-hmm. So, you know, overpay him and maybe give him an extra year to keep a guy who has been a senator since day one, who's a local guy from their backyard, who has been as unbelievable off the ice as on the ice. And if you look at something that Lou demands, I'm not talking about the dress code and the and the facial hair and all that, but what, what was a staple part of those New Jersey Devil teams for the 18, 19 years ever? No, it was even longer than that, man. 87 to what, 2015 he was there? It's forever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he his staple part of those Devil teams was character. That's what he builds. He builds character. And you imagine that Islander team losing Tavares and they turn around and they're 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 twice the hockey club from top to bottom that the Toronto Maple Leafs are. And I love Johnny T. Johnny T is a superstar. He is. But Lou Lamarillo 
summarily put out to pasture by Toronto. They bring in, you know, the the analytical accountant and and they're they're languishing. And what does he do? He goes out and gets Pajot. Now he paid for him. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. You know, a conditional first or lottery protected, so not conditional. It's a first for sure. A second and then a third if they win the cup. Isn't gonna happen. So it's two picks, but at the end of the day, you're picking up a guy at 27 who's, who, who is one of probably uh, the top two-way players in the game today. And, you, and, you're, and you know, I mean, obviously, they got to make the dance. They're in tough. There's no – nothing's been given to them here with 15, 16 games to go, whatever they have. But um, I love the pickup. Now, look it. Dorian did what he had to do. He didn't have the resources to, uh, to, give, to give the contract that um, Pajot knew he could get or that the Islanders are going to offer, whatever. He, he, he didn't have it. And that's been, that's been the, the, the MO here in Ottawa <laughs> for, <laughs> for four or five years, man. It's just guy gets good, guy, guy goes, you know. And, I mean, they, they locked up Shabbat last year, and I feel pretty confident July 1st or shortly after they'll do the same thing to Brady to Chuck, and they'll lock him up, and they'll start turning this thing around. They're going to absolutely kill it at the draft here, no matter where they end up, whether, whether they end up, you know, with, with two picks in the top five or two in the top six, whatever it is, it's going to be spectacular. Three first rounders, seven picks in the first two rounds. They're going to get some bodies. But Paulie, <laughs> when do these, when are these bodies going to turn into anything? I mean, it's they're a few years down the road. You had Pajot here. I, I, I didn't like the deal. I didn't like, I don't like it. I think, uh, but it, 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 you have to understand Ottawa had no choice. This is the way it's going. He had no choice. He had to make. He had to uh, let him go, and he maximized the return on it. And he hit an absolute home run. And now they've got to try and right this ship. And maybe, maybe this will be the final guy, the final real solid piece of the puzzle that ever leaves Ottawa. But I love what Lou did. Um, I, I, lo- I love the moves. And uh, you know, unfortunately, in his case, everybody else in the Metro loaded up too. Everybody else did something. And. You know, I mean, look at Pittsburgh brings back Connor Sheary. You see yeah. this all the time. Like, you know, he helped them win those two cups. And, you know, I was looking at uh, Jim Rutherford took over as general manager in Pittsburgh in 2014. He's made 49 trades in that time in less than six years. 49 trades. Wow. He does. You know, when he went in there, I thought this guy's a fossil and this is an absolute crash and burn scenario. I mentioned that two weeks ago when we did the show. It's been anything but. He continues to just try and spin the wheel. And, and and every single thing he can do while he's got Crosby and Malkin still with some gas in the tank, he's trying to build a contender that can that can that can make some noise. And uh, I, I, I love that pickup. You say all you want about Sherry that he was languishing or not doing as well. But you bring him back and throw him on there. It's like picking up uh, Edmonton, picking up uh, that Detroit cast off there with minus a billion and a and he's going to probably end up in McDavid's line. They're both speed demons, and uh, they may not necessarily on paper look like they're going to complement each other, but who isn't going to complement McDavid? All you got to do is just put your stick on the ice, and, and the rest will take care of itself. But no, it's sorry, pieces I'm all of, over, it, all it's over the map here. But I, I love what Lou did, buddy. Love what he did. Yeah, man, and he also brings uh, in Andy Green, a guy that he, uh, he had on the Devils yeah. for a while, too. I mean, yeah. the, it's pieces of the puzzle, right? You know, I mean, I mean, if you take the Islanders, for example, I mean, they're they're – you know, a couple of key guys that can help them kind of push him over the top here a little bit. I mean, the Islanders have been kind of, you know, they went into a bit of a spin here the last couple of weeks. Um, but and then just a massive game here tonight with the Rangers and the Islanders. It's going to be unbelievable. Yep. But so many um, big games tonight. Hey, yeah. I gotta ask you though, buddy. I, I gotta ask you. Sure. I have to. I, I have to ask you. This. Please. 
what were you thinking when the word went out around the rumor wire yesterday that Zach Parise was maybe heading back to the island? Like, I know you're a, a, a ranger guy, but the Islanders are right in your backyard. You had to be just going, oh, my God, we should have had him on draft day. You got the connection with his late father, who was Islanders through and through. You could have had the reconnection of Parise <laughs> with Long Island. You must have been freaking out. I, I Look, since Lou Lamorello has arrived here, <laughs> you know, we were, he tortured us for years with the Devils. And yeah. where does he go? He ends up right next door here. And, you I know. know. And he brings in, again, I've said this. I mean, I love Barry Trott, so it's so hard not to like that guy. You know what I'm saying? When it gets to the Islanders and the Rangers and the rivalry and everything else like that. Yeah, when that came across the wire, but I'm sitting here going, well, it just makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? Lou's going to get him. <laughs> you know, they just put up Tonelli's numbers, all the nostalgia, the dynasty, the old team. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 every day they're showing the camera, the new arena they're building here in Belmont. I mean, the whole Islander, you know, the brand name, every, you know, Butchie's number's going up this uh, this weekend, coming up too. So it's, uh, yeah. you know, they, 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 they were... Speaking we of was, deadline trades. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'll tell you what, man. I would have loved... Look, I, as a Ranger fan, I, I, I want the Islanders to succeed. I don't necessarily want them to win a Stanley Cup before we do. <laughs> but... Good Islander teams make for better Rangers teams because of the rivalry and the sure. the, the, the fan yeah. bases here and everything else. It just and, and look as far as New York hockey around here, Liam, we're golden, man. The Rangers are looking real good for the future. The Isles yeah, are in a are. great spot. Yeah. The Devils will figure things out here uh, as well too. That you know, as far as you know, reshaping they they will. But man, I, I would have loved Parisi coming here. I thought that would have been something else. I'm kind of actually disappointed it didn't happen. Uh, because the Islanders, to me, and I'll, I'll say this real quick, I had the opportunity to work w- with the Islanders a few years ago when I first started doing the hockey stuff, and they were amazed. This was before Tavares came in. This is when there was 1,200 people in the building, and it was, um, you know, the post-game conferences with uh, the, the coach Gordon at the time, their old coach, before Capuano came in there. Yep, yep. It would literally be like I had my press credentials back then. It'd be me, me and, like, three other guys, like me and – you know, Stan Fischler and <laughs> two other guys, because nobody was there. It was empty. The place was dead. Yeah. And those guys gave me a chance. But to, And then I, I, I got the chance to work with Butch Goring. And, man, I had some great conversations with Butch in, in regards to the fact that, you know, all those dynasty players, I mean, they were the jewel of Long Island here. As a, even a Ranger fan, you respect what they did. They were amazing. That team was incredible. Um, and to see it all kind of fall apart over the years. So fast forward. To see this, that crest, that team, those names, you know, that dynasty, those cup runs, the, the wins and the drive for five, everything else, the 79 series against the Rangers, that magical time. And then guys like LaFontaine coming in there and then, you know, the, uh, you can go on and on and then to see it all kind of go to crap. And now it's coming back around. And I live here, man, and I'm a diehard hockey fan. And I played on the street with my four-wheelers on dead-end streets here with all my buddies and my cousins, and we were wearing Rangers and Islanders jerseys. And we just, the, all that stuff is magical. It's about memories. I'm sure it's that way up in Toronto and Montreal uh, and everything else. And so as far, I wish Parisi had to come here. Yeah, we were kind of shaking our boots here a little bit. But look, man, if the Islanders go, they're going to make the playoffs, obviously. They're going to, they're gonna, whoever they play is going to be good. I wish them well. I really do. Um, so it's all good. I, I, you know, and this has been the big thing 
uh, Liam, about the Islanders organization and their brand and their reputation. They've been a joke of the league uh, for many, many years. You get a guy like Lamarillo in here and a guy like Barry Trotz, two very well-respected, successful guys. You finally have uh, solid uh, ownership. Now they've got the uh, the new building coming in. The whole Barclays and Coliseum joke is going to go away here now, and they're back on track, and I think it's just great. And then for us as Ranger fans and JD coming in here and Gorton doing a great job and, and everything else and the rebuild and the team excelling and Panarin coming in here, Truba, our gold team. I mean, even the Rangers, their draft picks. I mean, forget about the assets we still have to come. I mean, training camp next year for the Rangers is going to be ridiculous, especially with the young defensive guys that are coming in here. So it's all good. I wish Parisi had to come in here. I know it was a long-winded kind of response to that, uh, you know, that, that question there, Liam, but... It's all good, man. Uh, uh, good for the Islanders. You know, about time they put Tonelli's number up and Butchie next weekend. So, look, don't win the cup, but, man, go as far as you guys can, the Islanders. It's all good stuff, and it, it makes, like I said, it makes the Rangers uh, better, too, because they got to stand on their, toe, their toes. And to me, the Rangers are like the Leafs, a billion-dollar franchise. Look at the Islanders, man. They, they, they haven't had that money. They haven't had anything these last few years. Uh, lunch pail kind of guys. I mean, Jack, when we could spend – hours on the Islanders, and that's when I was working with the Islanders and, and I had my credentials, and up until the point when JT uh, got picked up and they finally got into the playoffs against the Penguins that first time in a long time. And it was great to see it come back. So I'm sorry that Parisi didn't get here. I would have loved it because I'm also a fan of Parisi as a player too. Yeah, me too. I mean, uh, I, I just would have loved it with the synergy because of his dad uh, being there. And, that's you know, what the had buzz that, was going on, man. You nailed it. That's what everybody was talking about. Yeah, it was huge when that story broke. Uh, Frank Cervelli broke that yesterday and that, that the talks were underway with Minnesota. And it's just so cool. You know, I got to know JP pretty good. You know, he never missed a Team Canada 72 reunion. And he's responsible for one of the greatest things that rarely gets talked about. And uh, certainly by Canadian hockey standards. I mean, when when he almost decapitated that, that idiot referee, Kampala, uh, about three <laughs> minutes in a game eight seventy two. It's it, it, he got kicked out of the game for it. You know something? That's the only game misconduct he ever had in his hockey career, and he got kicked out by that on the take piece of crap official in game eight seventy two. He swung his stick at his head and stopped just short of of taking it clean off, and they tossed him. But they called an even game after that. You know, they they they, they realized then that uh, they their own their own lives may be in danger here. So despite the pressure from the Russian. Uh, you know, overlords there who threatened them and and had them on the run and on the take. They ended up uh, him and Batter there. Batter and worse is what we called them. They 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 had to call a good game. But uh, J.P. Parise was an honest, hard-nosed guy. Came up through the Leaf organization at his best years in Minnesota. He was the highest scoring winger actually in the NHL in 1970. And uh, and then he went to the island and did what he did there, including for a period of uh, 11 years, held the NHL record for the quickest overtime goal in the playoffs till Brian Scrooglin broke it. Uh, JP scoring in 11 seconds, Scrooglin nine. But uh, I was just, I was just absolutely uh, absolutely thrilled thrilled that um, that JP was uh, was a, a part of Team Canada 72. And then when I heard the rumor yesterday about Zach, I just went, oh man, here we go. <laughs> So I have to ask you that, pal. And you know, I'll just finish on that. I know we're, we're we're running out of time. We're going a little shorter today, but you know something. Uh, uh, ah, screw it, Liam. Let's stay on till tonight. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> hey, you know the the Blues, defending Cup champs. So they made one deal, right? They pick up Scandella from the Habs, not at the deadline, but a couple days before. If you look at last year, 
They only made one deal at the deadline. They picked up Del Zotto, who you got, you're familiar with. Yep. They, they pick him up for a six-round pick. The Washington Capitals in 2018 made one deal. They pick up uh, uh, Kempney from, uh, from Chicago, I believe, for, uh, for a third-round pick. 2017, your Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins pick up Ron Hainsey at the deadline, who goes on to play a real solid role for them in the playoffs. 2016, your Stanley Cup champs, Pittsburgh Penguins at the trade deadline, pick up Justin Schultz, right? That's their, their key acquisition at the trade deadline. 2015, Chicago Blackhawks were busy. They picked up Kimo Timonen and uh, uh, Vermette and Andrew Desjardins, three guys that all contributed to the cup win in Chicago, including... Uh, uh, you know, uh, Vermette and DeJarnay became their third and fourth line centers in 2015. So point is, is that you never know, right? Like I, I think Carolina, uh, I think won the, won the day for me. Uh, I think Edmonton would probably be a close second and I'd have Boston right there too. Like you, you think that, uh, that, uh, case, if I'm saying it right, I don't think I am. And, uh, but more Richie, they, these are, I know they're depth players. But, man, I just love the way they play, especially Richie. He's going to fit right in there yeah. on that Bruin team. They're coming off that pacing Saturday night. Everybody's got to throw one of those games away. But they're still, to me, the beasts of the East, man. Uh, they, they really are. And I, I love their pickups, too. But I think Carolina, to me, won the day. Um, Montreal's an absolute, absolute uh, goes back to Clint Eastwood and Heartbreak Ridge. You know what he said about uh, – <laughs> That uh, cluster, you know what? I, I know we could swear, but I'm not going to bother here. But uh, but you know you know the phrase I'm thinking of. We'll we'll get Fudge. into that another time. Yeah, something something like that, something like that. Anyways, great movie by the way. But anyway, uh, um, yeah, I just saw I go back five years there, kind of give you a bit of a background of uh, of what what the what the the teams that went on to win the Stanley Cup did at the deadline. It's very interesting to see when you when you look into that. So. So we'll see where it all plays out. A record-setting day, right? 32 players, 55 transactions. I think it was 24 draft picks, all records yesterday. So quite something, man. I think it speaks to parity, speaks to how many teams they think. Like, I mean, even Buffalo picks up Wayne Simmons, and they're like eight points out of a spot. (laughs) They're picking up Wayne Simmons. You know, like I said, Florida unloading Trocheck. I know he hasn't had a good year, but it's like Pittsburgh picking up Siri. Like, you're hoping... That you're going to get some juice out of these guys, and and uh, you know you're giving them a lease on life, going somewhere else, a change of address, they get re-energized. That's obviously always the hope, and we'll see how it plays out, man. But so uh, it was a good day yesterday. That was uh, enjoyable to watch, and in in the wake of airs in Toronto on Saturday night, it's uh, that's a good 72 hours of, uh, of of NHL coverage. That was pretty good. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing when you sit back as, as far as like you know. Uh, you know, again, it's it's finding pieces to the puzzle that you're hoping that you're you're dropping guys in here to improve your lineup in, in whatever you know situation, and then you, you know your your other teams too that they got to you know you got to let guys go, you got cap concerns, you got you got to re up your draft picks, all that other stuff. So it's it's a it's a phenomenal uh, you know production. It's a bit of artistry here as far as scouts and, and uh, you know uh, GMs and, and presidents and everything else, and just kind of. Um, you know, putting it all together, and 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 that's the fascinating part because there's a lot of guys, you know, 
you get locked in on your own team or your own team's concerned, especially around the trade deadline, and then you, you start looking at, you know, just scouting through, you know, some of the moves that were made. And, and a lot of these guys you're not really familiar with because, you know, I mean, you are because you know everybody, Liam, but the rest of us, um, you know, just in terms of uh, who these guys are and what kind of an impact they're going to make and, and, and trying to, uh, you know, kind of go, hmm, wh- why did they make that move and who's this guy and what's he going to do? Uh, so it's it's a great part of the – the season, the NHL season, everybody gets hyped up for it, um, and I, I think you nailed it too with the parity, the, the you know all the all the changes that were made yesterday. Because I think that's a little breathtaking too, Liam. Because you could argue, I might argue it too, where, whether the parity does good for the league or you know there's there's a, a certain amount of teams that just, just that just can improve. You, you know, um, and, and the way the pendulum swings back and forth. But I guess it's healthy, Liam, in general because, uh, and especially the caliber of the the NHL player, the kids that come out of the, you know, the colleges now, pretty much going straight into, you know, right out of training camp and right onto the ice. I mean, the, just the caliber and the quality of the player that, um, you know, North America and Europe is producing now. And I think it's the whole package, you know, just because the kids got to be smart. Uh, they got to have the skills. The league obviously has changed. We, we know that, too, in terms of the physicality of it. Uh, there's a lot more opportunity for skilled players to kind of get in earlier in their career than, and than you know, necessarily maturing and so on and so forth. But this all gets tied into the, to, to the trading deadline, and now obviously the fire is lit. The games start tonight, and uh, can't wait for it. Last thing I want to ask you on, on the trade thing, too, is is, is the Kovalchuk uh, going to the Capitals. I think it's a blast. Just Ovechkin and him on the same lineup. Uh, I mean, just for the power punch of uh, the next few weeks, the next few games to see uh, what they do together. I'm just envisioning the power play and, and everything else. I mean, you know Kovalchuk, and, and you've uh, applauded him and the impact that he made on the Canadians. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a caliber team of the Caps right now getting that guy. What's your take real quick on the fact that Kovalchuk, you know, wanted to go to the Caps, and now that he's on the Caps? Well, that, that's that's the one good move that, uh, that uh, I mean, just Mark Bergeron did did so little when I think he had the opportunity to do some other things. Having said that, he still can do he can he can explore these things in the summer as well. That being say, maybe moving a Tatar or a Petrie who have one year left, uh, you know, if they limp out here and they want to do something, it's just okay. Could you have moved them for picks? Well, we don't know what the offers were, you know. So so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. But moving Kovalchuk. Uh, you, you know, you, you sign the guy off the scrap heap. Nobody wanted him, and now you get a third for him from the Caps. And he, he, him and Ov are the best of friends. And he, he becomes what third, fourth Russian on that roster. We obviously saw he still has a little gas left in the tank. Look, here's a report on him. Simple as this. He's he's still a tremendous skater. He's slimmed down. I, I I know he's still carrying that heavy, like a good weight, but he looks slimmer. His skating was excellent. His passing was phenomenal. He, he had so much adrenaline in those first few games. That's probably that's helped him, you know, obtain the points that he did and, and especially the goals that he did. He tailed off quite a bit as the last eight or nine games, but he still was effective on the ice. He scored two uh, massive goals and shootouts. He still has a skill set. The only thing he lost was his ability to hit the hole offensively and get the shot off in a timely fashion from his prime. That's the only thing he lost at 36, 37 years of age. I think it's a great pickup by the Caps. Because he, he, him and Ovi are best of friends. So there's synergy there because Ovi is that team. <laughs> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's with, the, with Orlov and, uh, and, and, you know, uh, Kuznetsov, they're, they're, it's just a good fit. And, and uh, he'll, be a, he'll add depth there. 
He can take second unit power play time, and and uh, he can take uh, he can take a reduced role. Montreal gave him lots of ice. Probably not going to see that much in Washington, obviously. But I think he'll be jacked because they're a serious cup threat, and it's an opportunity for him to maybe go deep, perhaps. So, and more importantly, is Montreal did him a favor there. It, it looked like maybe Boston were in line for him, at least according to reports. And they they sent him Bergeron sent him where he wanted to go. Didn't have to, but did. And I think he absolutely loved it in Montreal. They have such a strong Russian community there. That's why Markov was so embraced. And that's why uh, Kovalev was so embraced. And they have a history there. Even Emelin, just as a, you know, almost a thug fourth, fifth D, was loved there. So, you know, we'll go down the line. And and uh, I, I'd say, if I had to wager a guess, I'd say he resigns in Montreal. I, I, I really believe he will. They'll make some sort of um, one-year offer with bonuses. And bring him in. They always have cap space there in Habland. So I think they'll bring him back. That's my guess. But th- I think that's a great move. Great move for him personally. Great move for the Caps. And great move for the Habs. I mean, if they did nothing else, they get, they, they, they salvaged a third round out of thin air. And for paying a little bit of money is really all it was. And uh, I think it was a good pick. And he played great. He, he absolutely became a darling of the, of the team in the city. And look, I had friends come on at me at Twitter, you know, just saying they're so disappointed. They want to finish the season or sign them. I know it's so easy to, to fall emotionally in love with our players, you know, on your favorite teams, but you got to look at the big picture here. That was the right move. And I really think unlike most cases, you, you don't see guys come back in this case here. I know they brought Placanic back so he could play his thousandth game and you rarely see it, but there's only a handful of times, but I really believe in this case here, I think there's a really, really strong possibility he resigns in Montreal. So Good deal for the Habs, and I think you'll see some other moves this summer from uh, from Mark Bergevin. And uh, I just don't think it should be him. I, I you know, on digressing here on this one, I'll just make a quick comment on that. We'll do delve into this a little bit more down the road. But sure. I, I I don't think he deserves the right to have the opportunity to mold this team any any anymore. This is year eight. They're going to miss the playoffs for the fourth time in five years, and it's not acceptable. Injuries are not an excuse. You haven't you haven't used you haven't maximized the cap space that's been there. You've made some some technical and tactical errors, starting with Radulov, another Russian you claimed off the scrap heat, and then you lose him to Dallas because you, you didn't have you didn't have the balls to step up until it was the eleventh hour at the 59th minute and was too late and he had committed. And it's uh, uh, just too many examples of not doing the right thing to help the team really need what whether it's a left-hand shooting D or or a solid backup goalie or trying to figure out if Claude Julian was the right guy still going into this season again I don't want to get off on a tangent on the Habs right now because I could lose it so <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll save that for for another time the new podcast it, coming out next week <laughs> Liam McGuire Trashing the Habs. <laughs> and, and by the way, Paulie, by the way, uh, and because next week we are going to be in the month of March, and you touched on it off the start about St. Patrick's Day, a very uh, dear, near and dear to your heart and mine. Yes, so right. I think for the month of March, every podcast we do here on Sticks and Taps, that we, you and I should present an Irish memory, whether it be film, music, or something from the country itself. Are your, favorite, we, are we, your favorite we, place to have a Guinness? Favorite place to have a Guinness. I tell you what, I, I got mine right now. 
Well, let's go. Let's start with that. It's a great idea. It is sticks and taps. It's Irish te- themed. Two two fellas from the dub bloodline. We're here. I'm putting on the accent and everything now. So go on, man. Let's uh, let's do that. We'll wrap up the show. This will be like our toast of the week. I got one, and you give okay. me yours. Go. Okay. Well, then you you know what? I was obviously going to toast uh, Ayers there for what he did. I don't know how how you yeah. couldn't, but. He was going to be my toast, but if we're going to finish with a thought on pubs in Ireland, of which there's thousands, um, I'd like to, when, when I was there in my honeymoon in 1994, and we took a car rental after we left my dad's relatives, my late father's, uh, well, my dad was still alive at the time, so his brothers were, were, he had some family still living in Dublin, we spent three days with them, and my wife and I got in a car, we just headed out, we didn't, re- we had a few spots we wanted to go, but the rest of it was, we just went whichever way the road took us. It really, we could have been a tinker, you know, back in the day, only it was mechanized with four wheels. But we ended up, we ended up going down through, down, down, uh, and uh, we, we came up through uh, Killarney and then into Kilvargan in County Kerry. And, and we were driving up this beautiful mountainside and we knew we were way above sea level. We didn't know how far. And then we cross over. We passed by a, 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 a herder, and he's there with his sheep, and we had to wait 10 minutes, and we're at the, this precipice of a mountain, and we go up over this little road, and there's a sign, and it says, Ireland's highest pub, top of the coom, top of coom, <laughs> 1,100 feet above <laughs> sea level. So we go into this place, and... It's basically the guy's kitchen, okay? <laughs> you go in there, <laughs> it's like it's like four chairs, and you think you're sitting down to have a bowl of porridge or or some, or some stew. And then he comes out from the back. I know he's tending his own flock or something. And he comes in and he says, "Right, what'll it be?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "I'll have a Guinness." And he poured the greatest damn Guinness I've ever had in my freaking life. And I I see now, I think it's expanded a little bit if you go to the pictures online. But it's about 1,100 feet above sea level in Kilvargan and County Kerry. It's a beautiful drive from Killarney. And it's an absolutely gorgeous part of the country. And it's really it's out on the west side. If you're coming from Dublin, it's just such a beautiful drive. And uh, highly recommended, Topacum. Topacum. Topacum, the highest elevation you can get a pint of Guinness in the Republic of Ireland. (laughs) It's good stuff. Yeah, and I can just picture you there. You know, there's nothing about the, just the smell and the feel and the dampness of Ireland. You should see the look, the the view, Polly. Oh, yeah. It's it's unbelievable. It's like, you know, you, you, you look out and it's like, you know, it, it's impossible not to drive through the countryside anyway and not uh, not uh, lose sight of the history of the hundreds and hundreds of years, whether whether it be, you know, political or the or the or the strife or the, or the battles or the uprisings. But even just even just the countryside and the what what the people uh, did to, to to live there like that's that 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 pub has been in the same family for five generations. So. You know, and that's not uncommon, obviously, in, in a country of Ireland or anywhere in the British Isles. I get that, but obviously I'm partial <laughs> towards uh, towards, uh, <laughs> towards Ireland. So I'm not talking about, uh, you know, the others. But that was um, pretty cool. Uh, of the many I've been in, and, uh, and I've got other ones we'll talk about in the ensuing weeks, 
couple of beauties right in Dublin as well and in Galway and other places. But I mean, uh, just gorgeous, man. Top of Coombe. Keep yeah. in mind. Yeah, I know. Look, this will be fun because I've got a bunch to, uh, uh, you know, I've got tons of family over there as, as you do yourself. So, uh, you know, and anytime I went over in the years past, you know, I, I had my, my Irish pub tour guys take me to the best places. Um, obviously, always a great sing song. Obviously, a lot of musicians in my family and singers. Um, yeah, I'll definitely do a shout out to the Goblet and uh, Beaumont there on Malahide Road there, uh, just outside of Dublin. But uh, I'll give you for today's one. I'll give you just a great memory. Um, one of the last. I haven't been there now in a while, but we spent thirteen hours. And my this is my, my my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now. Jennifer uh, took her there. It was the second year we went over together. You know, no kids, no nothing. We we went over there and had a blast. We spent thirteen hours. A lot of the family were over too from my mother's side, and and, and a lot of my father's side is already there. So we went to the Arlington, which is by O'Connell Bridge, and I'd never been there before. And we spent thirteen hours in there just drinking Guinness like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> the place is amazing. It's gorgeous. It's got that typical uh, mahogany, deep uh, Irish wood. Uh, there's three or four levels. There's entertainment on, uh, you know, on every level. But we spent most of the time that day, um, you know, on, on the middle level, the main entry level there. And we just, and it was like, I think there were three or four different <laughs> sets of entertainment. That's how long we were there. We were there like 11 in the morning. And I think we ended up around the corner at 1 o'clock. And I drank so much Guinness. And the amazing thing is, Liam, you know, you, you, you're going out, and we've all had those nights where you, you throw back a lot, and you don't remember a lot. But for the amount of Guinness that I drank, and I remember almost every trip to the bathroom that day. <laughs> because you know what it does to you. But, man, I remember everything. It was just a blast. We were dancing. We were singing. Didn't eat much. But uh, we just had a magical day with my family and stuff. And, and, and the other thing I'll just never forget is the, the changing of the kegs. Because the thing about the Arlington, too, it's such, a, it's such a busy, it's one of the most popular hotels there in Dublin. It's very popular for tourists and everything from all over the world to come in. So we had, it was almost like the United Nations in there. And it was just an incredible day of happiness and just drinking. But it wasn't drinking to the point where, you know, you were under the table. You know, I didn't have a hangover the next day. I don't know how to explain it. But, man, I probably drank two kegs of my own. And the Guinness was just flowing. But what an operation. But the Guinness was fantastic. It was delicious. The atmosphere was just brilliant. Uh, Anybody who ever goes over to Dublin, definitely stop in at the Arlington. It's an incredible place. It's in a beautiful part of Dublin right there on O'Connell Street by O'Connell Bridge. Uh, It's majestic. And like I said, you go in there. They've got, you know, three or four different levels. It's just amazing. It's been there forever. And, uh, man, I just, like I said, I'll just never forget the guys, you know. And you know the bartenders over there. It's a totally different scene over there, you know. You oh, don't, yeah. Absolutely. I don't know what it's like now. I've been there in a while. But, you, you know, you don't tip the bartenders over there. None of that happens, you know. And, and believe me, when it's time to go, I have no have you no home to go to for. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> time, gentlemen, please. Have you no home to go to. And, you know, if they start singing the national anthem, then yeah. it's really time to go. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of my favorite stories. I got a bunch of them, but uh, that one always sticks out. And like I said, I'm blown away by the the operation of because the, the Guinness tap it has to be tapped a certain way. It's got to come out at the pour. Everything it's a it's a precise kind of thing, and that's that's yeah. what's so enjoyable. It's an Guinness. Art, it's an art form. It's an art form to pour a proper Guinness. It's uh it's a meal unto itself to drink three or four of them, and uh, <laughs> and I think that uh, that's a fantastic memory, man. You just shared. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, I'm familiar with the with the place. I know it. Uh, 
Um, it's, it's obviously Dublin is one of the greatest cities in the world. So it's, uh, it's great. I think for the rest of, uh, certainly we're into March next month or next week, Paulie. And I think the rest of March, we, we have an Irish memory, uh, every week. I'm with you, man. I'm a hundred percent with you, man. That's, that's what this show's all about. A bit of hockey from the pub, man. It's all good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Perfect. Great stuff. Well, everybody, thanks again for uh, listening to sticks and taps. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends. Subscribe. We're on everywhere now. And again, we appreciate the support. Me and Liam are slowly creeping up the charts there in Canada. It's all good stuff. So, Liam, bid the folks to do for us, won't you? All right, everybody. Thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you next week. G'day. G'day. Take care of yourselves, everybody. Slanta.